Thank you for joining us for this recent message from Freedom Ministries in Crossit, Arkansas. Connect with us online at freedomministriescrossit.com and let us know what God is doing in your life through this ministry. Now prepare your heart to hear a word that we pray will bless your life. This, uh, it's, it's something that as I was seeking God over this week, I actually said to God, I do not want to share this with the church. Because I know that if I get up and tell you that God says something and the Bible says something, that I'm judged by that same measure. And, and so in order to get up here, I was telling them at prayer this morning, Yesterday, as God was just really unfolding this, um, this to me, I was I was in prayer and I had you know, had had bits and pieces, and I was like, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. And 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 as I was in prayer, it just kind of like He opened up the heavens to show me exactly what He wanted to say today, and uh, and then I had to say, I laid down on that ground right there, and repented. And cried my heart out and repented for hours because because of this word that I want to share with you. Um, and I want you to know because it doesn't come from a place of I want you to feel bad about yourself. It comes from a place of this is something that God birthed in me and showed me. And I want to share it with you because I believe it's the right time for this word to come forth. Um, it began on this message on the seed that we've been that I've been sharing over the past couple services. A lot of people have asked for CDs. We do have a, a limited supply of CDs of Sunday and Wednesday in the back, um, and they're up on the podcast. Um, if you, so you don't have to pay; you can download for free. But if you like CDs, they're just two dollars back there. And it began with, so it began as I was just, was continuing because I knew this, this revelation about the seed of the kingdom wasn't done in me. And as I was praying over it throughout the week, I got the realization that because the seed of the kingdom is supposed to, when it grows and matures in us, it produces something exceptional. It produces something miraculous. It produces something great. And if I don't see exceptional fruit in my life, then the problem isn't with the seed. If I don't see the promises, we have so many promises of blessings and health and finances in our family that our children are guaranteed to serve God. Did you know that our children are guaranteed to serve God? And so if I don't see these all these blessings in my life, a lot of times we want to get mad at God because He didn't do what He said He was going to do, but there's no problem with the seed. So the problem has to be in me. That's a revelation <laughs> that we don't like to hear. If blessings, righteousness, peace, the promises of God fulfilled in my life doesn't follow me, then there's a problem. And it's not with the promises and the blessings of God. And I ended up with, with this simple question is, do, do we really live like Jesus? 
Because we know that the blessings followed Jesus. The promises of God followed Jesus. Miracles followed Jesus. Money followed Jesus. People, just because he said he didn't have a place to lay his head, it meant because he didn't buy one. He had the cash to feed 15,000 people because they said, hey, do you want us to go buy food for this crowd? And then he worked a miracle instead. He was, money followed Jesus. He had all the money he needed to travel his whole life, minister to anybody he needed to minister to. He, he was blessed. Not only did it follow Jesus, it followed the early church. It said there was no lack anywhere among them. We don't have to raise our hand. We can all look around the room and see. Lack in me, lack in you. There's lack. There's lack. There was no, when Israel followed God, do you know that they were so wealthy during the times that they were sold out for God that silver, which is a precious metal, was worthless. It was worthless because they, they were so wealthy, they didn't even bother with silver. Worthless. That's how wealthy all of Israel was when they followed God. So there's an example that we can look at and see that God blesses people who follow Him. Now, if I don't receive a blessing, Israel was healthy. All of the disciples were healthy. Everybody was healthy. If they died, it was because they were murdered for preaching the gospel. They didn't die from sick. They didn't. So, the question kept coming up in me, do we really live like Jesus? Because if I really live like Jesus, surely the, all that followed Jesus, all that followed these early disciples would follow me. Amen? They were so blessed in ministry that they could move into a region of the world and every single person in the entire region had heard the gospel in two years. They had no internet, they had no TV, they had no Facebook, they had no digital advertising to make it pop up on your phone, believe in Jesus. They had nothing besides feet. They didn't have cars to drive from one town to another. They had their feet and they had their mouths and that was it. And they said they turned the whole world upside down. So blessed. So blessed that they could, they could fund the ministry going to the entire world so that it could be turned upside down. And so I was praying and I said, how are we different than them? And the next question that came up in me is, well, how are we different than the world? Because if we're not producing, why are we not producing the exceptional, blessed, glorious, power-filled, powerful life that they did? So the problem can't be with God because He did it for them. Amen? Now, there are whole denominations built around the uncomfortable, avoiding the uncomfortable answer to this question. Right? It's not happening today. It must not be my fault. Let's build a doctrine around why miracles not following me, why blessings not following me. I, I, did you know... So we all know the prosperity gospel. Did you know that there's a poverty gospel? I discovered this last year. There actually is a teaching. There's a group of people who teach poverty. The leader of it 
had every tooth pulled in his whole head so that he wouldn't have something that toothless people didn't have. This is crazy. Um, so, so we build doctrines around things because we're uncomfortable with looking at ourselves as for the reason why God's not doing what he did for those people in the Old Testament. We say, well, well it doesn't happen like that anymore. Oh, well, God wants us, some people to be poor. We, we build unbiblical doctrines because I'm uncomfortable with facing the reality that something in me is not producing what, it, it, what they could produce. Clearly, throughout the Bible, we can look and see that God intended for His people to be something glorious, something different than the world, something that when the world looked at us, not only were we different, but we were something that they aspired to be like. Sure, there would be persecution and mockery in that, but in their heart, if they saw real Jesus, anybody who sees the real Jesus wants the real Jesus. They may not want religion, they may not want the rules and regulations, but if they see the real Jesus, they want the we want the real Jesus. An easier question for us though is the other one. Are we different than the world? Cuz I can't be like Jesus if I'm so much like the world that they can't tell a difference in me. If I watch the same things they watch on TV and we all get around and talk about it, if I drink the same drinks that they drink, if I do the same things they do, if I go out and do all, this, do all the same things that they do, smoke the same stuff they smoke, sleep with the same people they sleep with. I know, y'all. Take your mask. Let's, let's take our mask off. We wouldn't have to say it if it didn't happen. Are we really different than our neighbor across the street? Really different. First Corinthians uh, chapter 11, I'm going to start in verse 26, addresses the root of this problem. In this message, we've heard the scripture before, it's about communion, but it's about a whole lot more than communion. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself. The King James Version says it has a stronger word. He eats and drinks damnation to himself. Not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak. Uh Uh-oh, why are we not powerful? For this reason, many are weak. Many are sick among you, and many are dead. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Many were sick, some died, but many were weak. 
because the power of God was not working in them. And what was the reason the power of God was not working with them? He gave them the reason. He said, for this reason, many of you are sick. It's because they were irreverent. I love Jesus, and I love to talk about how much Jesus loves us, and he loves to have fun with us, and he loves the presence of God. He loves us to dance and sing. He loves all that because he loves his people, and he loves to celebrate with us and have joy with us and impart joy into us. But we can't ever forget that, the, that who we are talking to is the holiest of holies. He's the one who created all of creation in a spoken word. It was there. He's the one who could erase my entire existence if he choose to with a spoken word. Gone. Never even existed. Done. And so what I saw was the sin that I believe many of us do of we hear from God, we pray, we hear from God, we get a breakthrough, and I don't do what God told me to do. I don't obey His voice. I treat it irreverently. Why do my finances not work? Well, has God ever told you anything about your finances? And did you do it 100%? This is not condemnation. This is why I was at the altar for three hours repenting and crying. Because I saw it in myself. I said, God, judge me first. Let me repent first, God. How am I going to complain that God hasn't blessed me when he told me what to do and I didn't do it? How am I going to complain that I'm still in bondage to sin and addiction and he said, get away from those people and I didn't do it? How am I going to complain that I'm still pulled with lust and pornography? And he says, shut off the computer, and I didn't do it. He speaks to us all the time, and he tells us things to do. How am I going to complain that I don't have my own ministry yet? I should be up, and I should, and I should have, you know, the thousands following me, and I should, I should, I should have a place, and I should have a thing, but I don't obey him when he says, just get up and share this little testimony. Get up and sing this little song. Get up and share this that God just put in your spirit like Sister Charlotte just did. And Sister Monica got up and obeyed God. But they also, and so they have things. God's given them places. He's given them lots of inheritance in the body of Christ. He's given them jobs that they're blessed in and prosperous in. And the body is blessed and prosperous in because of them. But the obedience didn't come because they got a, a title head intercessor well now I can obey God it came because she was willing to obey God when when God just spoke to her so we can't complain that I don't have I'm not healed well did God tell you to stop this stop that did he tell you to take that medicine and you decided you didn't like the side effects I'm just talking about stuff I've seen in my own life I'm not talking about anybody I'm talking about stuff I've seen myself Did he tell you to quit eating like that? He did tell me to quit eating like that. And so now, when I'm tired at 7 p.m., he told me to, so he told me how to exercise and he told me how to eat right. And if I'm tired at 7 p.m. and I, and I don't, and I need six cups of of coffee to get me through the day, 
That's not God's fault. That's my fault. I did not obey Him. I see. I see. I get in prayer and I see, but I don't do. I see and I don't do. I look at myself in the mirror. God gives me a revelation of myself and then I don't do anything about it. We got trouble in our marriage. I, we, we pray. We see how God, God shows me what I'm, how I'm treating my wife wrong, how I'm treating my husband wrong. We've all been there. I still got trouble in my marriage because I didn't do anything about it. It was too difficult. It was too uncomfortable. I was too lazy. So when I, and here's where we have to understand what he's saying in this scripture in 1 Corinthians. That when I go back, when I've prayed, I've heard God, I see what to do, I see the problem in myself. He's, I've searched, I've examined myself, I see the problem. God's shown his light into my heart and I see, oh, I have unforgiveness towards this person. Oh, I don't, um, I don't like this person. Oh, I'm rebellious. I don't want to do what the doctor said. Oh, I don't want to do what God said. I, oh, I see. I see. I need to do this. I see. And then I don't do it. I'm drinking judgment upon myself. It would have been better for me to stay in ignorance. Because now I'm drinking the judgment that God has spoken to me. Do this. Get this right. Do this right here. Do this with your money. Do this with your health. Do this with your family. And I don't do it. I'm drinking the judgment of God onto myself because of my disobedience. Why don't I see power operate in my life? Because I don't discern the Lord's body. When I take of His life, that's what I'm doing. I get in, I'm taking of His life. He said, you eat you can't come to the kingdom of God. You can't be in the kingdom of God. You can't come to my Father unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. It was a hard thing to hear. But I hear, but when I, when I come from him and I take life from him, God, you see this problem in my life. What do I do? And he speaks to me. And I tried and I quit because it was too hard. I'm drinking his cup unworthily because I'm irreverent. I treat what God says to me as an option. And then I get mad when he doesn't bless me anyway. God knows I tried. God knows I tried. But I didn't do what he said to do. This is about taking from his life. And then when we do, I live like him in that area. That's why we do take communion. That's why I take his body and his blood. Is because when I take it in, in that area, I now live like Jesus because he showed me. And if I don't, I am drinking judgment upon myself. Why are we weak? Why does God not move in our life in an area? Did He speak to you in that area already? And did you do it? In James chapter 1, verse 21, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, the seed, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, 
and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But if he looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful doer, not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. How do we be blessed? I hear, I see, God shows me, and then I do it. This one's going to get blessed. If I'm not blessed, I'm not doing it. If I'm a doer, I have to be a doer. We don't like to do. Can we just let's take the mask off? We don't like to do. We really, really like to get a teaching that God's going to bless me, and I can sit here, do nothing, do nothing to get it, don't obey God, don't ask God what I need to do to get right and handle whatever blessing you're giving me. I spend all that money, if we're talking about money, bless me again. Hallelujah. I'm back in debt again, God. Set me free. Spend all that money you gave me, God. Set me free. Give me again. Give me again. No. What did God tell you to do? So we pray, we see, we get delivered, and then we go on like now it's done. And I I know we do this a lot. When I do all the prayer, we come into the prayer, we really get a breakthrough, we scream, we shout, we roll around the ground, I cry, there's snot coming down, bust a blood vessel sometimes. You know how we pray. We get a breakthrough. And when I do all that work, then I get I I have this idea from the enemy that I can come that I can go home and now it's all just done. Kick back, wait on the money to come in, wait on the miracles, wait on the healing, just be done because I got a breakthrough. Mm-mm. When I get the breakthrough, I hear from God about what to do. I have a word from God. Then, but the praying through, getting a breakthrough. It, it is the step that allows you to be free enough to obey God. Because when I'm in bondage, I can't really get out of that. But when I have a breakthrough, I can move out of it. But it's the first step in obedience. Because now I get to obey God and what He said to do. Did He say to get up and sing a song? I get up and sing a song. Did He say to give in the offering? I give in the offering. What did God, what did God put in my spirit to do? I obey it. Men, if we don't actually put into action the deliverance that we get, we are still not free. And you've probably all heard, I've heard preachers use this illustration since I was a kid, so I'm sure you've all heard it, about the lion who was in the little cage. He always paced around the cage and they moved into a big cage, but he didn't he still paced around the same size of his little cage because he still believed, he still acted. That's what he had been trained in his mind to do was I have this much space. I'm in this bondage. They moved into a big cage. He just still paced around in the same size circle of what he grew up in. For me to be free, I have to move out of what I have been in and do something different. I have to act out my deliverance. I began reading this scripture um, last week, and I want to I finish 
it up a little bit, and I believe we're going to get a revelation on, on how to do this. Galatians chapter 3, verse 17. This is my argument, Paul says. The law, which began 430 years after the covenant concerning the coming Messiah, does not and cannot annul the covenant that was previously established by God. I'm reading out the Amplified. That's why it's a lot longer than that. And so as to abolish the promise and make it void. For if the inheritance of the promise depends on observing the law, as all these false teachers would like you to believe, it no longer depends on God's promise. However, God gave it to Abraham as a free gift solely by virtue of his promise. What then was the purpose of the law? It was added later on after the promise to disclose and expose to men their guilt because of transgression, to make men more conscious of the sinfulness of sin. And it was intended to be in effect until the seed, the descendant, the heir, Jesus, should come to and concerning whom the promise had been made. And the law was arranged and ordained and appointed through the instrumentality of angels. And it was given by the hand of a go-between who was Moses, an intermediary person between God and man. Now, a go-between, an intermediary, has to do with and implies more than one party. There can be no mediator with just one person. Yet God is only one person, and He was the sole party in giving the promise to Abraham. But the law was a contract between two people, God and Israel, and its validity was dependent upon both. Is the law then, here's where we're getting to it. He's saying that God made us a promise. But we didn't live right. And so we made a law that required two people. Israel had to do its part, God, so God did his part. It says, is the law then contrary and opposed to the promise of God? Of course not, for if a law had been if a law had been given which could confer spiritual life, then righteousness and right standing with God would certainly have come by the law. If the church telling you don't drink, don't smoke, don't cuss, come to church every Sunday morning at least and pray to be safe on Wednesday night too, could get you into heaven, then we'd be good. We'd just not drink, not smoke, not cuss. And we come to church on Sunday and most Wednesdays and we thought that'd be all God ever asked out of us. It'd be good. We'd all be going to heaven. It'd be wonderful. Easy. But the scriptures picture all mankind as sinners, shut up and imprisoned by sin, so that the inheritance, the blessing which was promised through faith in Jesus Christ the Messiah might be given, released, delivered, and committed to all those who believe. Now, before faith came, we were perpetually stuck, kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Until faith came, all I had was law. All I had was condemnation. All I had was guilt. I was actually shut up. Shut away from knowing God. I was shut up from faith. So that the law served as our trainer 
until Christ came that we might be justified, declared righteous, put in right standing with God by and through faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under the trainer. We're no longer under the law. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith, by faith in Christ Jesus. We are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, into a spiritual union and communion with Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, has put on and clothed yourselves with Christ. There is now, there is now no distinction, neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ or in him who is Abraham's seed, then you are Abraham's offspring and spiritual heirs unto the promise. The law was made to show us sin until we can enter into the place that we lived by God and through faith. Until faith came, we were under the law. You know the law. Do this, don't do that. We grew up in the law. But now that faith has come, we want to use the law to opt out of living by the Spirit. That's what we want to do. And so we make, make excuses for ourselves. But when we choose, we have a choice. We've got to choose one or the other. If I can serve God in holiness and righteousness and purity through the law, go for it. But if you fall short of the law in any area, they killed you in the Old Testament. They killed you. So don't fall short of the law if you're going to live by the law. But if we choose to live by faith, there's only one requirement of that. Is that I obey the Spirit. If the Spirit says, go pray, I go pray. If the Spirit says, give, I give. If the Spirit says, quit this, I quit that. Do you know that under faith, I just received Jesus. And if the Spirit says, don't drink that anymore, then I listen to the Spirit. That's when, I, that's when I do it. I listen to the Spirit say, stop that. And when the Spirit says, quit smoking, your body is a temple of, the, of God, temple of the Holy Spirit. I don't want my temple smoky. Quit. Then I obey God. But until that time, nobody can tell me that I'm going to hell. Nobody can tell me one thing or another until the Spirit speaks to me because I live by faith. I don't pick and choose what I live by. And I, as, as a Christian, don't pick and choose what I put on you. I either want you to live by faith or I want to put law on you. And if I put law on you, I better be right because i got to live by the law. And I don't want to be judged by the law because I'll go to hell. And so will all of you. I ain't got no sheep to sacrifice. We're going to go to hell if we live by the law. So I want to live by faith. So all I'm going to put on you is faith. Seek God. Obey the Spirit. Amen? We were baptized into spiritual union and communion through faith. So by faith and faith only can we discern the Lord's body because through faith we were baptized into union with the body of Jesus. 
We were baptized into union with his life. We were baptized into a union and communion with who he is so that as I come and I take life from him and I say, God, I don't see blessing operating in my life. What's the problem? And he says, stop that. Do this. Pray. I just want some more prayer out of you. That's all I want today. Do, stop that over there. Stop that mess. Stop gossiping and fighting with people. Stop striving. Shut your mouth. Now, if I don't shut my mouth, then I'm in sin. But what if we don't? What if we don't obey? What if we don't become like Him? What if by faith we see, we learn, we see our own reflection, and then we go our way deceiving ourselves? By faith, when I hear God, Matthew 20, says, sorry, wrong scripture, um, by faith, um, a new law is written on our hearts. That's in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31, 31. I'm writing a new covenant on your heart. When he speaks to us, a new law is written on our heart. To disobey, ignore, or forget that law, that law that he wrote on my heart is sin. Because we drink from this new cup, we are baptized with his baptism. Matthew 20, 22 says you don't, um, you don't, Jesus said you don't know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? So when we drink from this new cup, we're baptized into union with Him. I receive the ability to live right, but if I choose not to, what happens to me? In Romans chapter 8, it says we're not under the old law anymore. Chapter 8, verse 1, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law, all the law, might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We have a new covenant with God that's not in the law, but the law is written on our inward parts, it says in Jeremiah 31. We know God, we obey Him, the law is to us personally. It's spoken to us. We don't go to another one, he says in Jeremiah 31, and say, do this, do that. I introduce people to Jesus, and Jesus says what to do. Amen? Because we each work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. So why don't we obey him? Because I have access to him. There's a new law written in my heart where I can be baptized into oneness and unity with Him. So why do I do something else than be in unity with Him? I'm going to read you this scripture that I say pretty much until the end because it's the one that hit me so hard that I wanted to throw up and I came down to the altar. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. It says, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries of God anyone who has rejected Moses's law 
dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much, more, how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy of who has trampled the Son of God underfoot and counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, irreverence, and insulted the Spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days in which, after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. Partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you had became, partly while you became companions of those who were so treated, for you had compassion on me and my chains, and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you had a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. How does all this relate? I can't keep coming back to God, getting a word, seeing myself, seeing my sin, seeing how the answer to my situation, and go back and live the same way. Wait on God to do it, whatever. I'm just not obeying God. I, I think that there's grace and mercy that's just going to cover me. God knows I'm trying. He knows I really prayed really hard and got that breakthrough. Um, it's just so difficult. I'm just so tired, lazy. We'll own up to all kinds of things. Besides doing it. We either do it, when we've gone that far, we see God and He shows us. We either do it or we stay in sin. And if we do, we receive the wages of sin. Even eternal punishment. We either do that or we live by faith because God has no pleasure in those who draw back. And He actually says when you draw back, you draw back unto perdition. You draw back unto condemnation. You draw back into your sin when you draw back from God. Everything God's ever showed us. Y'all know why, why I was crying so long. Everything He's ever showed us, every vision He's ever given us, every promise He's ever made us, it needs our obedience. Why am I not blessed? Why am I weak? Why are we sick? Why don't we receive the blessing? It's because of the sin of irreverence. I treated, in 1 Corinthians it says, his body as a common thing. But I treated, his, I treated his word when he spoke to me, when he put something in my spirit, when he told me how to live, when he told me how to do. Not guilt and condemnation telling me how to do, but when the spirit said, Casey, stop that. Don't talk like that to those people anymore. Casey, stop spending all that time watching junk on TV and never praying. Stop that. Casey, don't watch shows where they blaspheme my name. Don't do that anymore. I don't like that. And I don't want to be in the room with you 
if you watch it. And so I'm going to leave. Don't do that. Stop those things. And when he says it, if I don't obey it, he says, Casey, get up and share this word. Oh, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm not going to do it. Six months later, why doesn't God ever use me? Well, because I didn't obey him. Because I still haven't done the last thing he said. This is a hard, I understand it's a harsh word. But we have to understand the seriousness of this irreverence. Being irreverent to God and treating his word as an option, like something that grace is going to cover. You know, grace is what gave you the word. Grace is what gave you the connection with God to know what to do. I can't be connected with God without grace. But grace doesn't cover your disobedience to the word that grace gave you. There is no covering. That's why he said, if you go back, if you go back, there is, there's, there's no, you're asking for God to sacrifice again? What are you asking from God to do? Grace already gave you access to the answer. You didn't want the answer. You didn't do it. Why are we not blessed? Grace is the unmerited favor that grants us access to faith. Grace gave you the word. Grace allowed you to receive instruction. But when we receive that knowledge, the revelation, the breakthrough, there is no further grace to receive. All that we need is in what we receive in that. Why am I not blessed? Why am I broke? Why am I sick? Why am I doing the same things over and over? Where have I been irreverent? That's what we start with. I'm not saying every sickness is because of irreverence. Every time you're broke, it's because of irreverence. But he said, he said in 1 Corinthians, it's for this reason that many of you are. Not everyone. But many of you are sick. Many of you are weak with no power. No witness. No difference between you and the world. Many of you are. Because of irreverence. Because when God speaks, when He gave you some of His life to get up from prayer and go and live out, you did nothing with it. And so what is He supposed to do? Cut off more of Himself? That's what He's saying. Is He supposed to crucify Himself again? Is, what do you want of Him? Go do what He said. Go back to where the grace was. Now listen, I, here's, here, here's what I saw. I saw areas of my life where I did this, where I, you know, it doesn't mean everything was perfect. God doesn't require perfection, thank God. Thank God. He just requires obedience. He doesn't require perfection in the obedience. He just requires obedience. And so I, I was looking as I was praying, and I said, okay, well, I see how in this area I see the journey I've been on, and I do that. I do listen to the Spirit in this area. I do listen to the Holy Ghost tell me what to do in this area. I do listen to this, to, to you. Now, I, can, I see times I've messed up and I missed it here or there. But mostly, more often than not, I'm getting it right in this area. Then when I look at this area over here, no. I ain't done one thing God told me to do over there. I complain about it to Him. 
I pray about it. God, when are you going to do this? When are you going to do that? But I ain't done nothing with it. Because he told me what to do already. You know, you know, you know what we do. I played it what doing what he told me to do. I was like, okay, I did it one time. Done. He says, Paul even says, he said, what you need is endurance. That's what you need to keep on doing what God said. Where was I a reference? Where did God give me instruction and I treated it commonly? Where did I treat it like it was a suggestion? I could say, oh, God knows I'm trying. Well, I didn't because it was difficult, because it was uncomfortable. It was. It was difficult. It, it is uncomfortable. Dying to ourselves is not pleasant, but it's necessary to have the power. And so we can own up to that, and we can be free, and we can, we can go on in freedom, or we can do what a lot of people do, just pretend. How many folks that talk about God blessing them is broke? Well, can we just call it what it is? How many folks driving around saying, God bless me with this $60,000 SUV and you got a $2,000 car note on it? Live in a shack? God bless me. It's got the custom license plate. Too blessed. We pretend. We just pretend. I don't want to pretend. I want to be real. And I don't want to be irreverent. Can we stand? We hope you enjoyed this message from Freedom Ministries. For more information and to stay connected with us, find us on Facebook or the web at Freedom Ministries Crossing dot com.